Corinthians 13, verse 4, says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, endures through every circumstance. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will last forever. Father God, we are grateful for your love this morning. It's your love that's changed us. It's your love that has turned us into little children in childlike faith as we come to you today. Like a toddler reaching out towards their papa, towards their daddy, we've come. And so God, change us even more so by your love. You're not the one who needs to change. We're the ones that must change. And Father, we believe with all of our heart of God before us, who could be against us? Change us through your word, your love that's going forth today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. You can be seated. Today, we're going to cover seven terms or, or phrases, and they all have to do with attitude in some way. They have to do with attitude in some way. Oh, it's going to be so hard for me not to get on soapboxes this morning, but I will, uh, I'll, I'll deal with attitude anywhere but within the church. In fact, if you look at Scripture in the New Testament, you're right, it says that we cannot judge, but inside the church it says we can. And so this morning, I'm going to be speaking to the body of Christ at large. Those of you that are watching, I'm speaking to believers, I'm speaking to people that call themselves Christians. All right, I just want to make sure that I'm in the right room, in the right church. Rudeness is, is, is not a personality, for example. It's an attitude. And our attitude determines our altitude, as maybe you've heard many, many times. And isn't it amazing that the difference between those two words, attitude and altitude, is the letter L? Because you will not go up any higher without love. And if the world needs to see anything about us, they need to see our love. I remember as a kid growing up in the Catholic Church, we used to sing, they will know we are Christians by our love. We want them to know us by our words. We want them to know us by uh, supposedly, uh, the, you know, how spotless our, our, our lives might be, our knowledge. You're going to find out that that is not how the world's going to know us. Listen, if they can't see it, they won't believe it. And you can preach to your blue in the face. You are either modeling a Christian life that is otherworldly or you are not. And you can nestle in to your little self-made cocoon, your little Christian cocoon, and, and believe that that's going to be good. But it's not about people seeing you good. It's about people seeing Jesus who's good in you. Taste and see that the Lord is good. It doesn't say taste and see that Christians are good. And so there's got to be some way that we carry ourselves that allows people to taste Jesus in our lives. All right? I'm feeling it this morning. I hope you're ready. So it says, love is not jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. Four terms there. Jealous, boastful, proud, or rude. That word jealous, older versions will use envy. It means to become painfully desirous of another's advantages, so much so that you strive for them. 
You strive for what somebody else has. You strive even for what somebody else is. I want to be like them. I want to have what they have. Do you have friends that when you're around them, it seems like you want something you don't have, but they do? Oh, I want that. Oh, I need to get me a truck like that. I need to, oh, yeah, I think we, yeah, let's sell the house and upgrade. Let's, you know, I, uh, I, I get it. But the only one in the Bible that can be accurately jealous is God, and he's jealous for us. And we sing it, he is jealous for me. Let me show you an example of this. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm so grateful for the books of 1 and 2 Corinthians because these people came out of gross idolatry into Christianity and just as crazy as they were when they weren't serving God, they were crazy when they served God. And so Paul was bringing all this correction to them. All this correction to him. Look at 1 Corinthians 3, verse 3, I believe I'm reading. Yep. It says, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. You're jealous of one another and quarrel with each other. Doesn't that prove that you're controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? When one of you says, I'm a follower of Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, aren't you acting just like people of the world? When we're jealous and when we envy, we're causing, we're causing division. Man, if, if, if God ever told you to be more like Pastor John, you're probably in deep weeds. Man, I'm working out my own problems. You don't need mine. You're working out yours. I'm dealing with my own issues, and we all got them. I'm here because of a grace, not because of any kind of perfected status. So please, please, jealousy is not a quality. Envy is not a quality that we as Christians should, should adopt. Boastful. Older versions say parade itself. It means asserting oneself to the point that you wound and attack with words. Funny, talkative and exaggeration are also included. One of my favorite lines is I've told you 10,000 times not to exaggerate. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. I want to show you a verse, a couple verses on this. 1 Corinthians 1, look at 29. I think I'm reading 29 through 31, yep. It says, as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and He freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. Bible's pretty clear on it. Any boasting should come from another's lips and not your own. Shouldn't be tooting our own horn, no matter what it is. And it's funny, as Christians, we can even unknowingly toot our own horn spiritually. Man, got our statement back. Could not believe how much we gave. It was amazing. Oh my gosh, glory to God, all the glory to God. It's easy. 
You'd say, oh my gosh, I was praying, just weeping before the Lord for hours. Might even have been days or weeks, I don't know. When I came out of the glory cloud, I was like six feet off the ground and it was unbelievable, never been there before. I saw things in the presence of the Lord that I don't think I could tell you. I don't even know how to explain them. I saw colors, I saw boasting the Lord. Man, this is what God's been dealing with me about. Man, this is how God's been busting my chops lately. Man, God's been cleaning my clock, been cleaning house lately. Been dealing with my pride, been dealing with my flesh, been dealing with my, see the diff? Do you see the, you see the diff? Boastful, proud. Older versions say puffed up. It means to puff up with air or to inflate. It speaks of arrogance and being haughty. You're, you're making yourself bigger. You're making yourself bigger. Me and my buddies would joke around growing up. And we'd pretend like we were gonna, about to ready to get in a fight. and I'd blow myself up and say, it, it, don't they even say if, and I, I'm not a, a huge hunter. I've been in a tree stand, but I don't think I've killed anything, you know, outside of maybe a small mouse or a few insects. Um, but I think they even say, in the event of a bear attack, that you're supposed to make yourself look bigger. There's something in each and every one of us that we always want to make ourselves look bigger and better than we really, really are. And it's not, it's not healthy. Paul is the only New Testament author to use this word, and six of the seven uses are in 1 Corinthians. Puffed up. Puffed up, knowledge puffs up. Now, he uses it again and again and again. Rude, here's a word, means to behave unbecomingly, to behave disgracefully and dishonorably. It also carries the idea of defiance of social and moral standards. I believe this is at the root of the division the anarchy that we're seeing today. Honor and respect are fading in society. I've never in all of my days, and I realize I've only been alive for 55, going on 56 years, I've never seen a president spoken of in such disgraceful and disrespectful terms as I have in our day and age. It's crazy. If you look this word up, it it means shameful to the point of coming from a conservative standpoint that you're doing things in public that ought not be done. It's shameful. And I think people would laugh at that today. They'd treat you like you were some kind of prude or Puritan if you were to say, that's shameful that someone would behave like that. That's disgraceful that someone be... It's almost like words... We're not even seeing used anymore. Honor, respect. Those are things we should be teaching our children. Honor and respect. Go with me to Romans 1. I want to show you another use of this word. Pull back the curtain a little bit on something. When I was studying... This word, I discovered this. Romans 1, 27. 
It says, And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. When it says men did shameful things with other men, same word. The root is rude, it's disgraceful. Isn't it powerful that shameful sexual behavior is connected to defiance and dishonor? Isn't it? I'll do whatever I want to do with my body. Here in America, shoot, you think that because it's in your body, it's still your body and you can do whatever you want to with it. Well, that human being inside you is not your body. That is a, that is a human being. And at what point in the ballgame is life no longer precious in God's sight? Are there circumstances that could render that life not precious? I say the only time a life should be considered uh, to be taken would be for the sake of another life. Yet we're trying to, to rule away the sanctity of human life today. And state by state, they're struggling. Full term. Full term, they want to take them now. And I've heard women that I thought were amazing, brilliant women say, you know, it is, it's my choice what I want to do with my body. And I agree, but that's not your body. And where's the kid's choice? Where's the child's choice? Who's going to speak? Who's going to speak for the children? Crazy. Crazy, crazy. Defiant. Dishonorable. Shameful. It's what rude means. Goes on. Love does not demand its own way. It's not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. Demand its own way. Older versions seek its own. It means to desire, to seek, and to look earnestly for oneself to the point of demanding. I can't help but think about 2 Timothy chapter 3, that in the last days, there will be perilous times, dangerous times. Men will be lovers of themselves. I believe one version says lovers of only themselves. And you are, you are seeking things out just for you and what you want and what you prefer. And it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter. To the point of demanding, earnestly seeking for oneself. The same language is used in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you got your Bibles and you want to go there with me. 1 Corinthians 10, 23 and 24. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is good for you. You say, I'm allowed to do anything, but not everything is beneficial. Don't be concerned for your own good, but for the good of others. Anything that revolves around you isn't healthy. Think about it, fear, anxiety, worry, anger. It's you. It's you. It's how you feel. Those things revolve around, around you. And we're not to earnestly seek for our own good, but for the good of others. When change has come, Jesus has come into your heart. The love of God has been poured out into your heart. There should be something in you that begins to notice and begins to think of others. 
And the only way that that does not happen is if your heart becomes hard. And a hard heart is not discerning and is not hearing God's voice. Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your heart. Meaning if you have a hard heart, you won't hear his voice. And more than once in scripture, it says that. Today, today, God's always dealing with us today. Because he tells us, don't worry about tomorrow. He's always dealing with us today. While it's still called today. Today, if you'll hear his voice. Obedience is a daily thing. It's a today thing. It's not a tomorrow thing, and it's not a yesterday thing. I'm not talking about how obedient I was yesterday because it's today that God wants me to be obedient in. Love does not demand its own way. Love is not irritable. Older versions say is not provoked. It means to become stirred up in one's emotions, feelings, or reactions. One meaning of this that I read was sour wine. Sour wine. You don't hear it too much anymore, but there's an expression, man, what a sourpuss. Just, they just had that, they're kind of like that dark cloud. They walk into the room, everybody's having a great time, and oh boy. Oh, Johnny Raincloud, here we go. Um, this is not going to be good. Noted theologian Gordon Fee said this, the one who loves is not easily provoked to anger by those around him or her. I'm reading a book called Spirit-Filled Jesus by Mark Driscoll. I highly recommend it. It's good stuff. And he speaks of Jesus being asked by the religious leaders, you know, what's the greatest commandment? And he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he breaks down those. And he talks about how we're to love God emotionally and spiritually and physically. And he, and he breaks them down. Does God have your emotions or do you? Do your emotions just go wherever they want to go? Or do you have some, is there some self-control there? Self-control is the fruit of the Spirit. Self-discipline is the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe the more that you are pressing in to know Jesus, that there should be more and more self-control. There should be more and more discipline. Pastor John, I just can't help myself. Well, sure you can. Sure you can. If you go to Jesus because he's your help. But if you're constantly explaining, oh, that's just the way that I am. You know, I just periodically just go off on people. You know, I just, you know, it's just the way, I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, I know it's awful, but it's just the way I am. No, no, it's not. It's the way you want to be, and it's the way you want to remain, and you really don't want help. You might want attention at times, but you really don't want help. If we wanted help, we would sincerely be going to the Lord with this. My pastor used to say, when you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, let me know, we'll pray about it. You would be amazed at what an agreement in prayer between two people can accomplish when you really, really, really don't want it anymore. When you really, really, really are sick and tired of being sick and tired. When you really, really, really don't want to keep dealing with this area in your life, you would be amazed at what God can do. Because God's not gonna strong arm anybody. He's not gonna force any, he's not gonna force his will on anyone. 
And the way that you know that you're in God's will is if you're doing it, because God's will is done. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I liken him unto a wise man. We, we, we do God's will. We do God's will. It's done. And if you are so busy doing your own, you will not do God's will. And you're going to know you're doing God's will because you're seeking God's face. You're crying out to him and you're asking for help. And I don't know about you, but we need help. I need help. We're all dealing with stuff. If you don't think you're dealing with anything, you're scary to me. Then you're the Christian that's arrived. You're the Christian that's got this nailed down. Doggone it, man. And you're probably really good at pointing out other sins. Probably really good. Oh, that brother's got an issue over there. And that brother's got that sister. Jeez. I need help. It's me. It's me standing in the need of prayer. I need help. And so I ask God for help. Because he promises that he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. Scripture says, where does my help come from? It comes from the Lord. If help comes from the Lord, then why aren't we asking him? It's because we don't want help. We want attention. We want to be coddled. We want to be pampered. And for someone that's really low on the mercy scale, I'm probably not the one to come to if you want to be coddled or pampered. Love you. And I'll let you know right away how much I love you. You got to stop. You got to admit it and you got to quit it. And some people don't want to admit it and they don't want to quit it. Amen. Man, what's the good of confessing if you're still hanging on to it? I don't think you can be a confessor and a container at the same time. I think you confess and you release the lid off of that thing and you give that to Jesus and you don't want it coming back. You don't want it coming back. Love keeps no record of being wronged. Every marriage that I perform, I read the version that words it that way. Love keeps no record of being wrong. Older versions say thinks no evil. Get this, it means to remember or to keep in mind, to consider it, to count or credit, to keep a tally in order to determine sum or total. One meaning of this is to tell. To speak it is to remember it. You keep bringing it up, you're remembering it, you haven't let it go. In our house, that's, that's illegal. Not cool. Why are you bringing that up? You, 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 we, we forgave each other. You forgave. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are we bringing up last Christmas for, last birthday, the last anniversary? Why? You're keeping score. You're tallying. You're tallying because you are planning to use it on me. That's why when you get in a disagreement with someone who's been tallying and keeping score, you get blown out of the water because they've got this arsenal that they've been keeping. They've been keeping a record of wrongs and they're about ready to just take your head off. And all of a sudden you're thinking, what the heck? It's just a, we did a little disagreement today and all of a sudden we're going back five years. Depressed people are angry people. Depressed people are angry people. They're people that haven't forgiven, they haven't dealt with it, and they're, they're mad and they're vocalizing and then they're not vocalizing and then they just quit and they just give up and I don't care anymore. I, you are not capable of hanging on to anger or resentments or unforgiveness for longer than a 24-hour period, according to God, Ephesians 4, 26 and 27, be angry, do not sin. Everybody gets angry, don't stay angry. 
When you stay angry at sin, be angry, do not sin, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. You, by God's design, are not able to hang on to anger any longer than a 24-hour period. Forgive them. Don't you want to be forgiven? I want to be forgiven. Forgive. I've had so many people say, Pastor John, would you please, man, I forgave you that day. I forgave you before the sun went down. I can't live like that. I can't get up in the pulpit and preach an angry gospel. Oh, there's some saints out there I'd like to choke right in front of Jesus. I can't, I, I, you can't do that. Forgive and quit bringing it up. If you've let it go, what are you bringing it up for? Why do we keep bringing it up? Because you haven't let go of it. Stop it. You forgive. Forgive, forgive literally means to, to release. Let it go. Let it go. Man, some of you. Quit holding grudges. In fact, if you study what it means to be a grudge holder, it means to be entangled. You're, you're all caught up. You're, 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 you're keeping score. You're, you're, you're remembering. I will never forget. Never forget. Never. It's not a personality. It's an issue. I'm just a grudge holder. I'm to, you're angry. You're angry. I hope everything goes well for you or everybody around you pays. Hope it's a good day. Is it a good day or a bad day? You having a good day or a bad day? I had a buddy whose dad would meet them at the front door and tell him and his brother, either go to your rooms or go over to a friend's house. Mom's having a bad day. I mean, does everybody pay in your house when you're having a bad day? I mean, Everybody? Does one person control a home you're having because you're angry? Because you never really dealt with the root of your anger? Deal with it, please. A house should never be controlled by one person. No, no, one, no one's emotions, unforgiveness should be dominating a home. Forgive. Forgive. And just so that you don't think that you're not harboring anything. If you won't talk, you're probably harboring, I'm not gonna talk about, why won't you talk? What's gonna happen to you? Why can't we sit down and have a conversation? What's the big deal? Why can't we talk? Because you're afraid something's gonna come out of your mouth. Nope, 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 I'm not, nope, nope, no. You won't even talk and you're not angry and you're not holding on to anything and you won't even talk? I'd say more than the cat's got your tongue. I'd say there's a root. There's a root that's got your tongue and you do not want to be vulnerable. You don't want to be susceptible and you do not want to open up your mouth and clear the air. And listen, if we love, when that air first starts getting cleared, when you prime a pump, maybe the first water that comes out isn't all that drinkable. Don't worry. It'll, 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 get, it'll get better. But you got to talk. Got to talk to somebody. Got to talk to somebody. I've mentioned seven words or phrases, so let's recap. Love does not strive for what another is or has. Love does not assert oneself by wounding or attacking with words. Love does not inflate oneself. Love does not behave in defiance to what's moral and appropriate socially. Pause, social media, doggone it, reel it in, folks. Christians, reel it in. En enough. It's, it's just gotten crazy. I see people getting in fights. 
if you don't have the guts to tell people to their face, then don't you dare tell them over social media. I'm, I'm so tired of hearing people that call themselves Christians just airing it out, man. Dropping the F or the whole nine yards. I'm thinking, well, I'll see you Sunday when you're praising God out of that same mouth. That's glorious right there. Stop it. And if you can't handle social media, then get off it. Because I think it's good that you're, that you're on it, really. I'm not against social media. I think we need to know what the heck's going on. I don't think we can bury our head in the sand. I know you might disagree. I mean, we gotta be out there. We're, we're to reach this world. And you know what? You find out who's really, really hurting, who's really going through a down day, and you can minister to them. I posted last night about people staying away from church, and I was ministering to people privately message, messaging me. Some of them just right there. One of the gals that I had as a youth in Grand Haven, she was just, you know, stop it, you're messing with me. Other people were privately messaging me. People that were once in high-level positions of leadership, they're hurting and wounded. And it afforded me an opportunity that if I was going to cut myself off from social, I'm sorry, we live in a social media world. Personally, I think Snapchat's from the devil itself, but um, they made Snapchat so that you could sext for sexting. That's why, that's why they made it. So that young people would have the freedom to, to, to do all kinds of inappropriate junk and it would be gone. What is it, 10 seconds or how long does it last? 10 seconds? How convenient. It's just nasty. Social media, though, I think has a place. I can remember everybody being against the internet. I was against the internet being in my house. Come on, man up, woman up. Be on social media and be a positive influence. Be godly on there. I've led people to the Lord on social media. I've ministered to many, many people through social media. Love does not desire or demand to have its own way. It's not about you getting your way. This isn't Burger King. This is the kingdom of God. We're Christians. Stop it. I've seen people threaten each other. Do you want this to be a good day? Like, what the heck does that mean? Well, that's crazy. What does that mean? I almost want to stick around and see what a bad day is, as long as it's not me. Love is not easily worked up and walking around with a sour expression and an attitude. Love does not keep a tally of wrongs done to use it against one day. Love does not. Love does not. I know we've touched on a lot. How has God been speaking to you?